249 BC Mattydale, W261 AC Oswego, WTKWHD2 Bridgeport, ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 f- games this year. Okay? Not 10. DeVito, pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game. DeVito, in relief, wins it for the Orange. They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. Swing into this! It is over! The Boston Red Sox, baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. The Bills make me wanna shout. Josh Allen, touchdown Buffalo! A 14-yard quarterback draw! Somebody in Vegas told them they were gonna win by 20! And the celebration begins. This is on the block. Right, you know, there's validity in that opinion. Ah! Here on ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, you.com, heard. On 96.5 FM, heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing. On the ESPN app, great way to find the show. Just find us uh, in the audio uh, section of the ESPN app. Find uh, whatever you prefer to listen on. ESPN Syracuse, ESPN Utica, Rome. And take us with you into the big, bold world. We'll keep you company right by your side. Just call my name. And I'll be there. You can also get the full uh, Twitch experience. Uh, We don't know if there's any big Fortnite events or anything of that nature going on today. But uh, we are on Twitch. We love being on Twitch. You should be there, too. It's twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk. And when you go to that very website, you will get the visual experience of the program. You will get a live chat throughout the program. You can opine as much as you want. Comment in the live chat that flows throughout the show. Always exciting, always interesting. Um, you can post embarrassing screenshots of me from Twitch. Having a lot of fun with that on yesterday's show. Whatever the case may be, it's all there. And the cool thing about twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk as well, during radio commercial breaks, we don't take breaks. The mics stay on, and our Twitch audience just kind of hangs with us behind the scenes stuff just reacting to the chat, things we discuss uh, during Twitch breaks that don't make it on the air. So kind of get a behind-the-scenes look, but also the full experience of the program at twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk. We have one guest joining us today. That's our good friend Mike McAllister from Syracuse Sports Illustrated, allsyracuse.com. Mike, with the latest on recruiting, he did a deep dive on the Syracuse football class of 2021 recently. And look, Notre Dame is coming up this Saturday. It's not a game worth discussing in a lot of ways. It's kind of anticlimactic in a way. I wrote a column about that today. Look, football's football. 
I shouldn't tempt the sports gods this way. We'll spend all week discussing how Notre Dame is going to be the windshield and Syracuse will be the gnat, right? And then they'll show up and we'll go into the fourth quarter and this will be a game. Maybe Notre Dame's going to pull off the accelerator a little bit, pull some starters and make this a more interesting game than we think. Uh, We've got some interesting comments from Brian Kelly, Notre Dame head coach we're going to play. If you saw him on SportsCenter last night with SVP, maybe you, you caught this. So we'll get to that a little bit later on. But it's really not about this matchup. It's about 2021, looking ahead, getting this game out of the way, and then the full-scale rebuild begins. The most important offseason Syracuse football has had in a long time. And you could say that about after Scott Schaefer was fired and then Dino Babers was brought in. But at least then it wasn't really a stunner. It was kind of a formality, right? And the transition was underway, and there wasn't the same kind of anxiety. There wasn't the same sense of urgency. It was almost a relief. It was like, okay, new athletic director, new coach. Everybody kind of had that take a deep breath, let's see what's coming thing. That's not the case here. There's not going to be a coaching change, as we know. As John Wildhack has said, if he sticks to those words, and look, things can change. Right, He came out, made that proclamation, Dino Babers is my coach for 2021 and hopefully for a long time. Those are the words of John Wildhack. I don't expect him to break those words. We've discussed how expensive it would be to make a coaching change. But uh, you always got to leave that that small window open of anything can happen. right? But this is going to be a team coached by Dino Babers in 2021. That rebuild begins with that recruiting class. What's that look like? There's not a lot of spots left in it, by the way, so a good to get a refresher there from Mike McAllister, the transfer market, current state of affairs, of course, with SU basketball and all the latest with the good stuff that Mike always brings. So we will talk to him at 5 o'clock on the program. A programming note, we are going to be off the air a little early today. We'll remind you when we get uh, closer down the road here. But for those of you that like to uh, be around at this time of the day or stick around for the whole show, we certainly appreciate that. You don't have to. We like it when you do. But we are going to be exiting at 540 today because we got Syracuse women's basketball for you here. 545 pregame with the one and only Brian Higgins as Syracuse has its home opener against Lincoln tonight. The you name the award, they're nominated for it. Backcourt of uh, Kiara Lewis and Tiana Mangakaihia and the Syracuse women's basketball team had an impressive season-opening win against Stony Brook. Tonight, they've got Lincoln at the Dome. Announced today, by the way, they added Penn State to the schedule Sunday. Uh, we can watch that game on the ACC Network. Of course, listen to it right here on ESPN Syracuse. So a nice little uh, thing there added to the mix. Uh, Penn State coming in, good team. So uh, women's basketball is is up and running as well, and this is a team that could do some big things. They get game two tonight. You'll have it for you right here. We'll have it for you, I should say, right here on ESPN Syracuse. We'll be off just a little bit early today, about 5.40 or so. We'll exit stage left. I did want to start with some Syracuse basketball on the men's side. They get Niagara tomorrow. And look, by all accounts, this is a team Syracuse should win. But it is worth noting, last year was last year, this year is this year. I understand that. But this is a team that Syracuse had a hard time with last year. Now, in that case, it was the last non-conference game of the season before Syracuse went into ACC play. Again, last year was last year, this year is this year. But the interesting thing about this year's matchup, when you look at the fighting Greg Paulus's coming in, 
is they bring a lot of those players back from last year's team. The Purple Eagles, just want to throw a couple stats at you that I found today. For what it's worth, because I think there's one big thing that's going to make a big difference in this game that's going to avoid some of the pitfalls that Syracuse fell into last year, but we shall see. But just a few interesting things about the Fighting Greg Paulus's. They're one of 17 NCAA Division I teams to return at least 70% of their production from last season in each of these following categories. Points, they get 80% back. Rebounds, 74% back. Assists, 91% back. Steals, blocks, steals at 96%. Blocks, 83%. Now, again, numbers are numbers. You can kind of twist and turn those things to make them sound fancy. Point being, they've got a lot of experience back. So, Tomorrow night's going to be their first game. They actually had not as big of a COVID shutdown, but they did have a, some a COVID shutdown at Niagara. They had less practice time than they would want coming into play Syracuse. So keep that in perspective for tomorrow's game. But they have some experience back. They know how to play this Syracuse team. And last year was a competitive game from wire to wire. Now, Syracuse, I don't think ever felt like they were going to lose nor did I think anybody watching that game felt like they were going to lose. But Niagara was hanging in there just enough to make it a possibility. Especially during the second half. They were only outscored by one point, 30-29 was that second half score last year. Niagara outscored Syracuse in points off turnovers, destroyed them on bench points. And just to show you how things have changed, point being last year's last year, this year's this year, one of the primary people off the bench against Niagara last year was Bryson Goodine, who's no longer even on this team. But Niagara went a little deeper on the bench, got more production off the bench. The key one here is points in the paint. Because what Bryant was able to do was get in the paint, get by the guards up front, move the ball around, and get inside. Points in the paint. Not what you would want it to be in that game. Last year, Niagara beat Syracuse in the paint 32-24. to That's significant for a couple of reasons. One, what Bryant did on Friday. And two, Barama Sidibe's out of this game. Right? Not that I don't think Marek Doljai can handle what Niagara is going to throw at him. And again, there's, there's going to be a, whole, uh, a key thing here that brings it all together that I think is going to be a major difference in this matchup as opposed to last year. But... If Bryant was able to do it, Niagara showed they could do it last year. If you're Niagara, you kind of feel like you can have somewhat of the same game plan. They moved the ball well last year. Like They did not come in and look at Syracuse as a team they were intimidated by. Their smaller lineup, and it was one of the smallest lineups that Syracuse faced last year, actually worked for them. Now, here are the two things to me that make all that last year and this year, this year. One is, I think we're going to see that most of what we saw Friday night was a result of the lack of practice time that Syracuse had. You can't take 12 days off practice once on Thanksgiving, mind you, and then come out and play your best game. It's actually three things. I'll add one to the mix here. The second thing is, Joe Girard's not going to have as bad of a game tomorrow as he did Friday. I feel pretty confident in saying that, seeing that Joe went 2 of 14 Friday against Bryant. He went 2 of 9 from three-point range. Both of those three-pointers are very timely, coming late in the game when Syracuse needed that spark, not only from him, but needed somebody 
to hit a shot in, in those particular cases and keep pace with what Bryant was doing in that game. I don't think he has that bad of a game. It's not to say Buddy Beheim can't have an off shooting night, somebody else out there. As they make that adjustment without Barama, they certainly did it in the Bryant game and have been practicing with the full knowledge that Barama's not in there. That makes a huge difference as opposed to adjusting on the fly as they had to against Bryant. But it is still an adjustment, and it's something that they've got to make early on in the season, right? But I think the biggest difference here is last year, Quincy Garrier struggled in that game, and this year, not that I know, I have not climbed in my flying DeLorean and seen the future, but I think he's a much better player at this point. I think he's a smarter player at this point, and he's going to kind of counter that paint balance that was not there for Syracuse last year. I mean, he's coming off a game of 15 and 12. He's coming off a game where he had that presence, particularly in the second half. I mean, Syracuse does not beat Bryant if Quincy Garrier doesn't have a great second half. Full stop. Other players contributed. Alan Griffin was great. We mentioned Buddy Beheim was great against Niagara last year. He had 23 points Friday against Bryant. And in all the elements that led to Syracuse winning that game, Quincy Garrier is the big difference to me. Because if Quincy plays just even 50% better than he did last year, that's a remarkably better game than he had against Niagara. And it shows you the growth as a player he's had. Now, remember, that was the last non-conference game of the season. So we're talking late December last year versus the player he is now as December begins. So about a full year, he's not 100%, as he said earlier this week, recovering from groin surgery in the offseason, but he's about 90%. He's playing. He's he's getting through it. It's not like he's got to sit out right now. So I think Quincy's the big difference there. I think Niagara is going to try and take the same approach. They're, of course, going to try and take some threes and swing this one way or the other. But I just don't see that same type of game. They've got some great players. Marcus Hammond, Raheem Solomon were both named to the preseason All-Mac team. Hammond earned All-Mac first-team honors last season, a unanimous selection to boot. They've got some experience back, but they were picked to finish sixth in the Mac poll this year. There's always a team or two in that non-conference schedule, and it's a much shorter non-conference schedule for Syracuse this year. That surprises us. That is not quite the game you thought it would be. And last year, when Syracuse beat Niagara and went into ACC play, that clinched a record of 8-5. and five. They lost some non-conference games last year. Totally different circumstance this year, but we're going to start to see that second step in 2020 coming. And this is to me, and I'll discuss this really a little bit more tomorrow when it's game day, but I think Syracuse is basically starting the season tomorrow. I think you're going to see two teams on the floor that are basically playing their first game of the year at the Dome tomorrow. But they played against Friday. It's in the books as a win, and they can kind of lean on the experience of that, knowing what they have to do to take a step forward in this matchup. But just for what it's worth, Niagara was a game last year. They've got a lot of the same players, a lot of the same approach. Greg Paulus is a good coach. He was named the, I forget the name of the award exactly. Is it the Wooden Award? I'm, I'm not, it's right on the tip of my tongue, but it's the award they give out in college basketball to the best first-year coach in college basketball. And Greg Paulus won it last year. He's good. He's a flat-out great coach. I mean, 
Greg Paulus is one of those guys. <laughs> he certainly, you know, watching him grow up here in central New York and watching his path and, you know, terrific football player, terrific basketball player, got to do both of those things at a high level. Of course, the quarterback in 2009 and Doug Marone's first year here. And look, if you know Greg Paulus just a little bit, like you could see exactly what his future was going to be. The fact that he became a head basketball coach at a high level is the least surprising thing in history since Brent sees donut eats donut. Like that's just going to happen. And we just knew that Greg Paulus was going to be a, a, a he's going to be a coach of some sort. Basketball, the most likely choice there. And he is exactly in the spot that a lot of people would expect him to. Is he ahead of pace maybe? Because he got kind of thrown in the fire last year. He was Patrick Beeline's assistant at Niagara. Patrick Beeline, right when the season set to begin, steps aside. Paulus gets thrown on the fire. Hey, good luck, kid. And he's the coach of the year. They just gave him an extension at Niagara. And I don't know what the time frame is. Things tend to move uh, quickly in, in sports these days. But do I think Greg Paulus is coaching Niagara five years from now? No, I don't. And that's a compliment to Greg. But this is a game I think Syracuse will win and will win. The last year's final score was 71-57. It was never a game I thought Niagara would win, but they hung around enough and were impressive enough to you walk away from that game and say, okay, you know, that that was more competitive than I thought it would be. I don't think we're going to have that feeling tomorrow. All right, let's break on that note. I know we're going to get our friends on from Lee Baldwin and company here shortly, get our stock market update. Mike McAllister is going to join us at 5 o'clock. Again, just a reminder, keep it in mind through the show, we're going to be ducking out a little early today at 5.40 for coverage of Syracuse women's basketball. We actually have an NFL football game to track as the Ravens and Steelers are playing a little Wednesday afternoon delight here. So we'll keep you uh, updated on that score. I think this is... I'm, I'm racking my brain here. I can never remember a time on this show when I had to update you on a live NFL football game <laughs> in a afternoon drive show from four to six. Maybe I worked Thanksgiving one year and, and had to do it, but it's rare. But uh, that's 2020 for you, right? Let's go to our friend Mike from Lee Baldwin and Company, see how the market got over the hump on this Wednesday. How are you, sir? Good. How are you, Brent? I'm great, man. Hey. Things are not as productive here after about 3.40 this afternoon when that live football <laughs> game kicked off. So we were saying we could get used to this, too, a, a nice NFL game every Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon. Now, the market closes at 4, Mike. you got to keep your eye on the ball until 4 we o'clock, and then, and then, the you, can, then you can let minutes. it loose. <laughs> That's right. We had a mixed day today. The Dow closed up 60 points. The S&P followed up 6 and the NASDAQ actually closed down six points. So a relatively quiet day coming off a great month in November and a good first couple of days in December. We had a nice diamond Uber. The riding ride-sharing company was up over $3 to $53 a share, which is an all-time high since coming public back in uh, early 2019. They announced players to spend, plans to spin off their air taxi service. So Uber back to all-time highs. Our dog is CRM, which is Salesforce. Salesforce announced earnings last night as well as an acquisition. They're buying a company called Slack Technology, and the stock closed down $20 to $221 a share. They're trying to compete more with Microsoft, and I think long-term that acquisition makes a lot of sense, but it was a tough day for Salesforce. 
And that's all we have tonight, Brent. Excellent, Mike. Thank you, sir. Always good to hear your voice. That's our friend Mike from Lee Baldwin and Company. You can find it at LeeBaldwin.com. So you have all the diamonds and none of the dogs on your portfolio. Uh, Ravens 7, Steelers 6, by the way, as the first quarter draws to a close in that matchup. We'll keep you updated throughout the afternoon. Right now, we'll take a break. We'll come back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio, twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio, twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. By the way, I should remember the last time there was an NFL football game on during the show. It was that Bills Monday night game that started at 5 o'clock, right, against the Titans that got pushed back. How <laughs> did I forget that? Hey, man, 2020, so much has happened this year. I I have forgotten more than I'll remember, that's for sure. I When we were describing it before the break, I couldn't remember if that started right after the show or during the show. Like, I I can't, my brain is just so fogged up at this point from everything that's happened, but that was it. So there you go. This is the second time it's happened. Ravens lead the Steelers 7 6. They've just flipped over to the uh, second quarter of that matchup. We'll keep you updated as we go through the afternoon here. Our buddy Mike McAllister is going to join us top of the hour. We're going to talk some Cruton. And Syracuse basketball, Syracuse football with Mike. And just a reminder that we are uh, stepping aside a little early today. We're going to leave at 540 because Syracuse women's basketball coming your way later on your home for Syracuse women's basketball, ESPN Syracuse. Brian Higgins on the call as Syracuse takes on Lincoln at the Carrier Dome tonight. Hey, it looks like we got our good friend Jim Dowd from Pathfinder Bank on the phones at 437-7644. Jimmy, how are you, man? I'm fantastic, Brent. How are you, sir? I'm good. It's good to hear your voice. And and we were just talking Syracuse basketball before the break. I know you, you've been following along and looking at this team. And, you know, first of all, I just want to know your thoughts on, on this squad. I know you're a fan, but, boy, it's, it's weird to, to watch an empty carrier dome with Syracuse basketball. I was watching the Duke game last night, empty Cameron Indoor Stadium. There's yeah. just certain things I have not gotten used to yet, Jim, and empty buildings in sports is is certainly one of them. You know, I agree, and I think at the beginning of this, just to see sports back on television, I was elated. But now as you get into these circumstances, you know, first of all, you're asking me about the Syracuse basketball team. I would normally have a couple exhibition games that I sat and watched them you know, I'd normally be in a whole different position. Um, I mean, it's just a crazy world, and uh, I guess we, we take what we can get right now. I'm certainly excited for the upcoming year. You know, the loss of uh, of our big man for a few weeks is going to be challenging, but, um, you know, we've got some talented people. I think it was a tough game to start out without any practice time, and, and let's hope Coach uh, gets them lined up for a little bit better effort uh, coming up tomorrow. Speaking of those empty buildings, I, we don't have the numbers on this quite yet, but it, it's really going to show us the importance of good television contracts because I can yeah. imagine schools like Syracuse, Duke, everybody, that loss of ticket revenue is, is going to be one that, that that's going to hurt 
not only this year, but maybe in the years to come. So it just goes to show you, you know this, working at Pathfinder Bank, the importance of saving and budgeting and looking ahead and, and making sure you're in a good financial position because something like this can happen. Uh, you know, the most important thing in uh, times of trouble is uh, cash flow and making sure that you're prepared for the uncertainty. You know, as your parents always told you, make sure you're saving for a rainy day. Well, right now it's been pouring for about nine months, and uh, That's right. you're absolutely right. Having access to capital, having access to cash, being prepared, those are what's important right now. You know all about that, Jim, and not only for, for people like me that have to you know put money in the piggy bank for a rainy day, but I would imagine some small businesses out there have been, have been coming to you already, and you've, you've had some experience with this in the past, but this has been a unique eight, nine months, as you mentioned there. So what are some of the things you guys are doing to help out some small businesses in, in what is you know a really a tough time for them? And then I think they're looking for someone to, to help them through it. Yeah, I mean, we've heard this word more often than ever unprecedented is you know this this is an unprecedented time and i think that i've heard the word unprecedented in an unprecedented number of times so i think there are significant <laughs> challenges for our small businesses i think the most you know again everybody's plan of getting through this is going to be different as each and every small business is different so you can't necessarily just carbon copy what one business did from that perspective if i could give anybody in the short time that we have on here you know, some great guidance, I would tell them, uh, you know, having a great relationship with a quality accountant and having a great relationship with a quality bank. And I don't mean borrowing millions of dollars from them. I mean, establishing a relationship with them, knowing your loan officer, talking to them. These bankers and accountants right now are in great position to provide you guidance on government relief programs, both local, regional, national um, they can also help you with cash flow projections. They can help look at your business a little bit more critically. When you're the small business owner and you're wearing all those hats, you know, I think difficult times and these challenges now more than ever, you need to rely on some of these other experts to help guide you through these challenging times. And I know the experts at Pathfinder Bank are going to help us do that. And, Jim, you're going to give us some more tips and great advice on Wednesdays here throughout the month of December. So we will talk to you again a week from Great. today. In the meantime, you stay safe out there, and uh, we'll talk I'm, to you again soon, my friend. I'm looking forward to the radio broadcast of the women's game tonight, so we'll talk about that soon. There you go. That's uh, 540 tonight right here on ESPN Syracuse. Thank you, Jim. It's our good friend Jim Dowd from Pathfinder Bank with 10 branch locations in Onondaga and Oswego counties. There is a Pathfinder Bank near you ready to help, especially in these challenging times. On the Syracuse football front, I wrote about this a bit today so i hope you can check out my column on syracuse.com i spent a little time on the show on this yesterday just saying in general like the football side of this is tough because look this is one of the biggest mismatches that i have seen syracuse go into ever and i don't mean to say that for shock value it just is they're a 32 point underdog 33 and a half depending on which uh, for entertainment purposes site you go to but it's anywhere in that 32 to 34 point range ian book is playing at a rate right now where, look, Ian Book hasn't always been the most celebrated quarterback at Notre Dame, but when Notre Dame wins on Saturday, he is going to become the all-time winningest Notre Dame quarterback. And that's not just my opinion. That's something that Brian Kelly, the head coach at Notre Dame, flat out said on Saturday. Seth, let's play that clip if you got it right there. A champion, um, a, a guy that has taken the slings and arrows of outrageous misfortune 
um, and and not being uh, given the credit that he has rightfully deserved and that he's going to earn on Saturday as the all-time winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. That's that's an incredible feat for all the great, great players that have played here at Notre Dame. And he's done it um, with the scrutiny. He's done it with um, uh, unfair criticism. Uh, and he's done it uh, with with class and dignity uh, all the way. And, and so I love Ian Book. I love for what he represents and what he stands for and, and how he's handled himself uh, throughout uh, his time here at Notre Dame. We we are a better football program because of his presence uh, at Notre Dame. Did you catch that in that clip? He did not say, hey, if we win Saturday. No, he flat out said when he becomes the all-time winningest coach or winning his quarterback, pardon me, at Notre Dame. And by the way, I'm, I, I don't hate you, Brian Kelly. I ain't mad at you. You're right. Notre Dame is going to win this game. They're going to win it convincingly. And Ian Book is going to get that mark. Now, usually that would be... I guess back in the day, we'd say bulletin board material, but I don't think we really do that anymore. Whiteboard material. It's more like social media material. Usually like a radio host like me would feast on that. Like, oh, how dare this coach say something like this? And it could just be this huge back and forth. But that would be disingenuous because Brian Kelly's right. By the way, Brian Kelly also said this on SportsCenter last night about the Syracuse team that they're facing on Saturday. Yeah, great question. So what's important now is our preparation this week, which has been really great, you know, just sticking with our process. I know it's it's coach speak to you, uh, but you clearly understand being in this, um, how important it is to take care of business against Syracuse. Once we do that, um, we're able then to put our entire focus on who the next opponent is. And, you know, obviously Clemson's got to beat Virginia Tech. Uh, they do that. We'll have a full week of preparation uh, for a rematch with Clemson, but take care of business with a with a very uh, spirited, young, aggressive, defensive minded Syracuse team, and and then we can look forward to what's next. It's kind of a unique way that he described Syracuse. There, that was like when you were trying to get your buddy a date, and you knew your buddy was out kicking his coverage, but you really tried to talk him up, right? Like maybe he wasn't the best looking dude in the world. He's like, oh man, he's a he's a hard worker. He's you know he's 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 funny. He's funny, and it's like the girls like waiting for you to like say, oh, handsome dude, good looking, like something that's really gonna perk her eyes up. Like oh, right, they see my buddy over there. Look at that hot dude. Yeah, he wants to buy you a drink. It's like no, you got to talk him up a little bit, right? He's just he's got a great personality. Just good dude, right? Gives to charity. Right? That's how Brian Kelly was describing Syracuse there. But look, Ian Book is going to be protected by what is rated as the best offensive line in the country right now. I'm not doubting Tony White's ability to get some pass rush on Ian Book, but that's a that that is a big boy offensive line. That's the best offensive line Syracuse is going to face that I can remember in a long time. Even the Clemson teams and some of the really good ACC teams and non-conference teams, LSU and you name it, that Syracuse has played, whatever, in the last 10 years, Notre Dame's offensive line left to right is the best I've seen. Kyron Williams is running at just a different level right now, and they're going to run it up Syracuse's throat, which is going to be difficult when Syracuse defends the run, which they just have not done well this year when they get to that second level. 
they're going to have a hard time there. This is a Syracuse defense that has made some impressive plays, gotten the takeaways as we've seen, but they haven't seen an offense like this. Different level. The way they use the tight ends, which don't get me going on that, but they do. Mayer and Tremble, the way they throw the ball to those guys. Clark Lee's defense is locking in. This is a healthy Notre Dame team for the most part. They have not given up a pass, or pardon me, a, a, a rusher over 70 yards. And they've played Travis Etienne, Hawkins, Williams, Carter, really good running backs. Like, this is a mismatch of giant proportions. Right. Football's football. We'll see at 2.30 on Saturday. That's why they play the games. And every little asterisk, every little, you know, cliche I'm supposed to attach to these kind of conversations. But to hear Brian White speak that confidently on SportsCenter last night, I don't blame him. And he's Brian, he's a little different as a coach. He's he can border on cocky sometimes. He speaks his mind. And I, I appreciate that about him. I appreciate that he that he's really up front like that. But this is a mismatch. It's a giant mismatch. So you start to look at history, right? You start to look at different things. And that's what I wrote in my column today. 2003, Walter Reyes, five touchdowns. 2008, Sally went about that. Syracuse went to South Bend, won that game. They're trailing 24-10 in the fourth quarter. Cameron Dantley, Adrian Dantley's son, Notre Dame player, leads a comeback. They win. One of the most controversial games in college football history, 1961. That matchup. Syracuse and Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium in 63, one of the best wins Syracuse football's really had in program history. Tim Brown stealing Donnie McPherson's Heisman in 87. Got a lot of feedback from people today about Paul Horning winning the Heisman in 1956. I believe Paulie Sibilia was a sophomore in college at the time. He could tell us all about that. Jim Brown finished fifth in Heisman voting that year. Paul Brown, or Paul Horning, pardon me, was on a two and eight Notre Dame team. Had no business winning that Heisman. Great player, great all around player. Not a Heisman winner that year. It probably actually should have gone to Johnny Majors if you really want to get into that. But Jim Brown should be in that conversation. Point being, this is only going to be the tenth matchup between these two. It feels like more. And the reason it does, there's real history between these two. And I'll close on this note before we go to break and do some hot takes next. When Syracuse played Notre Dame two years ago, those were two top 12 teams. Notre Dame's still there. As a matter of fact, they're better. They're in the conversation as the best team in the country. And Syracuse has a major rebuild to come. On that note, we'll break hot takes on the other side. You stay right there. You're on the block ESPN Radio and twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk.